Okay? So let's go to today. Mm. Just two things for recap. And then we hit today. Number one, if God calls you to do anything, there is a cost to it. If God calls you to do anything for Him, there is a cost to it. I've already told you that every believer is in ministry. So, a Yaka House member, no, let me use that right there. A Yaka House disciple should never think, me, I am a church member. When you become a disciple, you are not a church member. What I mean is, you are not an ordinary person who goes to church. You are in ministry. Ministry is your life. The moment you get born again, you are a minister. He says you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You are a priest. The difference is that you are not an Old Testament priest. You are a New Testament priest. So you are a minister. And when you decide to be a minister, there is cost to it. If you don't learn now, you will suffer. There is cost to pay in building ministry. Sometimes your desires will have to be sacrificed. I have to, I really want to be here. But because you are a minister, you can't go. Like I said, if the president of Ghana, before in the old Yaka house, if the president invited me for a dinner on Sunday 4 p.m., I will go, I will call Pastor Fred or somebody to come and preach for me. Because it's not easy, such an opportunity. But in the new church, he has actually invited me. I didn't go there, wife. I have not gone. Because I am not that pastor again. So when you decide to do ministry, it comes with a cost. Now I am not a celebrity. Now my focus is not fame. So it comes with a cost. Comes with a cost. Tell you for the first time in ministry, this year I'm going to travel to London in economy. In my ministry for how many years? It's either first class or business class. It comes with a cost. Because if I'll collect, you see what done the won't cry. Your farming determines the soup. It's as simple as that. If they are spending money on you, it means you are going to raise the money. So since now you are anti-raising, you go where normal people go. It's a very simple thing. So it comes, ministry comes with a cost. You can never be a New Testament believer or minister and you won't have price to pay. There's nothing like that. Some of you, till you break up with some friends, you will never appreciate this new calling. It comes with a cost. And some of you, your cost is some friends, you don't need them. Some of you, there are some jobs. Till you resign, you can never serve God faithfully. It's the truth. It comes with a cost. And I told you last week that salvation is the cost of Jesus. But discipleship is your cost. Salvation. You being saved. is all on Jesus. It's all paid for. 
from your being saved and you going to heaven, everything has been paid for. But in discipleship, following Jesus, that is what you call picking up your cross. Following Jesus is not salvation. People confuse that. That's why I said the last time, people put salvation in discipleship and discipleship in salvation. It's a confusion. How difficult it is for a rich man to go to heaven. He was not to enter the kingdom. It was not heaven he was talking about. It was not salvation. Because the qualification for being saved, money is not part of it. So money can't disqualify you. But to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, if money is a priority, you can't. You can't be Jesus' disciple. Because you have to choose between money and Jesus' work. It's as simple as that. So you have to understand that discipleship comes with a cost. It's like how we wake up at 4 o'clock. Now your body has to respond to 4 o'clock. Master. Sometimes I get amazed. Even if I sleep at 3.30, 4, body will rise up. Several times I would say, please wake me up. Because I'm studying and I can feel my eyes are heavy. Then when I look at the time, it's 3.30. Let me see Charlie. This one, I won't survive. But some way, somehow, the moment the four hits, it's a sacrifice I have to pay. It's not a sacrifice I'm paying for one month, it's for the rest of my life. So get it in your head. Empire, you just ought to say, Let the dumb prayers continue. I'll be watching from heaven. It's better, Master, just get used to it. Malinka I said that too. This whole child's came. Unless you leave the church, we are here to pray. It's our lifestyle. Prayer is a Christian lifestyle. Prayer is a Christian lifestyle. So there's no alternative to it. So discipleship comes with a cost. Is that clear? Next point, very important point, was that a disciple cannot equate himself with a non-disciple. A disciple cannot equate himself with a non-disciple. Can somebody search for that scripture for me? Those, you see, what I'm trying to say is that, one, it is wrong to equate yourself with Somebody has decided to just be visiting church. Even though they claim your house is their church, but they are their visitors. So, the moment you start saying, ah, but how come this person? You are not this person. In Christianity, actually, when you become a disciple, you don't equate yourself with anybody. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, 3-6. Second Thessalonians chapter three verse six. Mm-hmm. Now we command you, brethren. Mm-hmm. I, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother. That you should do what? Withdraw yourself from every brother that what? Walketh disorderly. Walketh disorderly. So if if there are if there are people who, when pastor says this, they want to do opposite, but they are your best friend in church. You are getting it wrong. There are people, when pastor says, we are coming at 3 o'clock, so, me, ma, ah. but that person is your best friend. What is he say? He said you should redraw yourself 
kind scripture. Now we command you, brethren. We command you, brethren. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you withdraw. Withdraw. Your tightness. Reduce it. And sometimes let the person ask, Hey, no, Michael, now I don't see you. Yeah, it's because of church. And do you know what? Paul instructed that the withdrawal will make the people feel lonely and in turn will cause repentance for them. Do you understand? But if the person, today they are in church, next week they will come, next week they say, and you are still, they don't see any difference. But you are supposed to be a positive impact in people's life. Read it again. And go. Now we command you, brethren. Now we command you, brethren. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Christ, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You withdraw yourselves from every brother that from every brother that walked disorderly. And not after the tradition which he received of us. Not be, their, their disorder is because they are not obeying the doctrine. It's as simple as that. The reason why they are seen as disorderly is that the instructions you are being taught, the things you are being taught, they have decided not to follow them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you, 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 because, look, iron sharpened iron, so what? So, if you walk with a fool, you become a fool. So, if you know you are, you are struggling with your follow-up and evangelism, identify people who are always going to evangelism and make them friends by force. So that their good lifestyle will rub over you. It's as simple as that. I'm telling you the truth as your pastor. When I started teaching this gospel, reading has never been my thing. In fact, I have allergies for reading. But, I bless God for Pastor Chris all the time. He made it difficult and gave me reasons I should do it. That I will sit down and study for what? Ah, what is Rema there for? <laughs> On top of that, I'm a prophet. God will send the message into my mind. But my so listen. Dr. Abel is my great friend. It was through him I got to know Pastor Chris. But Pastor Chris helps me to read more. And reading was my weakness. So because I want to do that, I prefer communicating with Pastor Chris. Now something happened. I think two years ago, when I started preaching it, I went to America, and then I asked Pastor Chris to send me a message to go and preach. Because I didn't know what I was going to preach apart from my old message. I've just come into this thing. So he sends me a write-up. Book me say you. <laughs> Dr. Abel, uh, let me say it properly. All on the same subject. Pastor Chris sends me seven, ten-page documents. I called Pastor Dr. Abel. He stood on the phone within 15 minutes. He started breaking it. Namataji. <laughs> Fire. Me drew a prognosis. A prognosis. It was very easy because that was where I was coming from. He preaches, he shouts. And that's what I used to do. So he was, it was easy to go his way. But the volume of information with Pastor Chris one, but I was not used to. Am I going to stand and be reading? I'm surprised now I read. 
I was thinking, ah, me have never read my message before. Kwadini ya marini baba na mdijina oh. So you keep connecting. As you are talking, something will come into your head. Once you are talking, God is about to lift you. And then you remember that Don Bote was a footballer in House of Oak. There was a boy in the House of Oak called Don Bote. Don Bote was a local player. And then one day, so by the time you finish talking about Don Bote, another comes into, come into your head. Then you go on that road to be 145. So when the guy gave me the ah! What am I going to do? Then when I, I called him, I said, sir, please, I've gotten what you sent. What do I do? He says, that's the material. <laughs> ah, that guy didn't preach in my ears. He didn't have fire. He was just a man of God. This material can even last you for one week. Hey, I know it can last me, but how do I go about the thing? So, don't don't associate with people that are easy or better still. You're, because I, 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 I am shy, I want to join the shy people. You don't need that. It's very important. Whatever you are struggling with, get people. Because if to preach out is very easy. I don't need anybody to teach me that. But to teach from written notes has never been my thing. Never. I used to so much be fascinated about Dr. Franco Fusiopia. He used to do that. He can read and everything. He say, hey, so you are reading. I used to get surprised that he preaches by reading. I never knew it was in my calling. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for what you desire, you have to pay a price for it. It's where you want to go in life. Do you know medicine, to be a doctor, is seven years. You go to law school, 20, over 50,000 people or so will apply, and only what? 1,000 people. And people keep writing it. Why? They are determined to do it. Anything you are determined to do, you pay a price for it. As difficult as they say it is, people are still enrolled in there by tender, by fire. Whether by the narrow way or the broad way, people enter. Is that clear? So a disciple cannot equate himself with a non-disciple. That person is not your yastic. Always make somebody who is doing better than you are doing be your yastic. I always want to teach like Pastor Chris. I always want to know the things he knows. There's no question I've asked him that this man doesn't have an... And sometimes the amazing thing is that on his feet... So if somebody says, okay, we, are, we have service tomorrow, I'm coming, any question you want to ask me on my message, I thought, that's very easy. You taught it, you know all the scriptures. But you don't know what the person is going to ask you. But whilst we are talking, he can refer the book, the verse, oh, brah, I'm not for you had you. It's not a gift of God. Though. It's the activities of man. He told me that there's a message of Dr. Kenneth Hagen, he can listen to it for 25 times. One message. You. How would it be in his head? Last time you were saying, first time he went to church, he met one, oh, I forgot his name, he's a Nigerian pastor. And the pastor was quoting scriptures. He was shocked. His first time. Hey! So a man can quote scriptures like that. Then, 
when they close, he asked his friend who took him. He said, Ha! Ah, this man can close. He said, Oh, this is not the archbishop. This is just the pastor. Wait till you meet the bishop. Then you meet the archbishop himself. So he said, Eh? So somebody can quote scripture more than this man. So he said he traveled a distance to go and listen to that pastor too. He realized, Eh? He thought the first one could quote. This one can quote half of the Bible. He said, Wow. So people can do this. Then the friend said, I have told you I have not met the archbishop. Eh? Then he said, the day he met the archbishop of quoting scriptures. He cried that day. Hey! He said, it's like the whole Bible is in the man's head. So he went home and sat. Started reading the Bible page after page. Several times in a year. He reads the Bible more than two times. So if he has been doing it for 25 years, Calculate. If you read a book for 50 times. Abba. So it's not that he went to just recite scriptures. And if you be honest with yourself. If we are talking about book, book, book. The Bible is not big. This thing. It's because we struggle to read it. But what I'm saying is that there are books that are bigger. More voluminous than the Bible. And people have still read it over and over. And we have the Bible and you are having Gideon's version. You know the Gideon's version? Sadia, small blue one. New Testament. And look up with me reading cover to cover. Even that small... Can you imagine that the Gideon's Bible, that small thing, what kind of articles oh, we are saying that you can't read that small thing? One day, just be angry, Dennis. Just be angry, <laughs> just be angry, and pick that Gideon and read from cover to cover. Say, no, five, five, no, is the five Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just is the whole. I will serve and prove them. SM Koto Bibania, you take you one day, but Tinasi, cover to cover. You know we can do it. Because when you look at it, it's very small, though. No, no, we'll do a Gideon's challenge. <laughs> Next holiday, we'll come here. We'll do a Gideon's challenge. All we are doing is reading that small book. We'll all sit here, no distraction. See, read it. Just, just be proud of yourself that you have read. I mean, Christianity is not. Your, 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 your soul, spirit, your eternity. How serious else can you be? Is that clear? So we cannot equate. A disciple cannot equate himself with a non-disciple. If you do that, you are making a wrong comparison. You cannot say that, but he's also a born again. He's also a born again who has decided not to be serious with the things of God. He has decided to make worldly achievement more important than godly achievement. That person can't be your yastic. Are we good? Okay. Matthew chapter 13. 34 to 35. Today we are doing parables. I hope I can finish today. 
Matthew chapter 13, 34 and 35. Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Uh-huh. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. All these things, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. In parables. And without a parable spake And without a parable Spake he not unto them. Spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Mm. Now Point one under parables. By the law of contest, by the law of contest, he is not saying all teachings of Jesus are parables. By the law of contest, the writer is not saying all the teachings of Jesus are parables. Because when you hear all these things speak he unto them in parables. And without parables speak he not. You would think that. But we stay in contest. The reason why the writer said that is that. He was being specific on chapter 13. The writer was being specific on chapter 13. All these things spake he unto them in parables and without parables he didn't speak. The writer was being specific on chapter 13 of Matthew. If you have read it before, you remember that in chapter 12, the people were out to kill him and were out to malign him. If you have read chapter 12, write it that way. You remember that they were out to kill him. They were out to malign him. So he decided to speak to them in parables. They were out to kill him. They were out to malign him. So he decided to speak to them in parables. And they asked why. His disciples asked, why are you speaking to them in parables? And he said, well, these people, their hearts are hardened. In seeing, they cannot see. In hearing, they can hear. They asked why, and he said, well, these people, their hearts are hardened. Why are you speaking to them in parables? Jesus said, well, these people, these particular people, a people I'm speaking to them in plain words, and they want to kill me. Their hearts are hardened. In seeing, they cannot see. In hearing, they cannot hear. So, I have decided to speak to them in parable. Is that clear? So, Jesus, another point. So, Jesus spoke to them in parables because of the crowd in chapter 13 of Matthew. Jesus, so Jesus spoke to them in parables because of the crowd. In Matthew chapter 13. 
You ask which crowd? A crowd of people who obviously opposed him. Which crowd? A crowd of people who obviously opposed him. And that is why he used parables. So it was based on this crowd in Matthew chapter 13. Which crowd? A crowd of people who obviously opposed him. That was why he used parables. That's why he used parables. Are we good? Should I move forward? So the word parable. What is the word parable? The word parable in the Greek is parabole. Para and bole. P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E. Parabole. P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E. The word parable is from two words. Or parabole is from two words. The first is para. P-A-R-A. Para. And para means alongside. Alongside. Or beside. Alongside or beside. Alongside or beside. The second word is ballet. B-A-L-L-O. Ballet. Ballet. Ballet means to cast alongside. To cast alongside. To cast alongside. Is that clear? Para means alongside or beside. And then the second word is Ballet. No, balo. It, it sounds like balloon. But it's not balloon. But it's B-A-L-L-O. To cast alongside. Also used for teaching or giving example. It is also used for teaching or giving example. Balo means... Is used to teach or to give example. So don't, don't forget the definition. It will help you to understand why Jesus uses parables. The first one is alongside or beside. The second word is to cast alongside. Also used for teaching or giving example. Parabole, that is P-A-R. A-B-O-L-E also means to teach alongside. Parabole means to teach alongside. Are you following? This explains it better. It will mean, right, it will mean you will borrow a story. It will mean you will borrow a story Parabole also means you will borrow a story. Number two, it also means 
you will cross over from what you are saying. You will cross over from what you are saying. You will cross over from what you are saying to the other side to borrow an illustration. You cross over from what you are saying to the other side to borrow an illustration. Is that clear? It means you cross over from the other side to borrow an illustration. So I'm teaching things of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is giving into every human being. Then I take empty bottles, then I pick one bottle that is filled, and I start pouring in it to show you that it's the same spirit that is being poured into different containers. So I have crossed over from a spiritual teaching to use a natural something as an illustration of what I am saying. Is that clear? So it means to cross over from the other side to borrow an illustration. Next point. Parabole is just like paracletos. Paracletos. P-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S. Paracletos. It means alongside. It means alongside. The paracletos can never be you. That is another person. Or the, the paraclete can never be you. That is another person. I said parabole is just like paracletos. It means alongside. The paraclete can never be you. It is another person. Let's look at James chapter 1 verse 22. Let me show you another word that can help you to understand what a paracletus or parabole is. James 1.22, one of our favorite. Chapter 1 verse 22. Uh But be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own self. Deceiving your own self. That word deceiving there is the word paralogimai. I'll spell it for you. P-R-A-L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. P-R-P-A-R, sorry. P-A-R-A, para. And then logizomai. L-O-G-I-Z-O. M-A-I. Paralogizomai. P-A-R-A-L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. That word deceiving there. That is what it means. And the word logizomai. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Z-O-M-A-I means take account of. To take account of. 
to take account of. Logizomai means to take account of. Empara means beside, beside. Logizomai means to take account of. Empara means beside, beside. So that scripture she just read, read it again. James chapter 1 verse 22. Uh-huh. But be ye doers of the he word. He says, be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own deceiving self. Deceiving your own self. How do you deceive yourself? Write it this way. Which means, beside God's word, beside God's word, you are reckoning with something else. Deceiving yourself. Para logizomai is you are taking an account of aside what you have been told. So when somebody is not doing the word of God, it simply means if God says you are righteous and you say you are not righteous, that means you are taking something off what they say you are. Is that clear? So one will be deceiving himself when God says you are something and you say you are not. That the believer is saved, he has Christ in him. And then the believer is saying he has ancestral curses, he's in bondage. You are deceiving yourself. How are you deceiving yourself? You are taking something that is not part of what you have been told. Is that clear? So, paralogizomai is to take account of beside what you have been told. So, it's like adding a foreign material. Am I clear? So, next point. So, when you have parabole, P-A-R-A-B-O-L, when you have parabole, it means there is a truth you are teaching. It means there is a truth you are teaching. Then you now go to another story entirely to borrow. It means there is a truth you are teaching. Then you now go to another story entirely to borrow what you can call something similar. Parable, don't forget, is parable. So it's simply saying parable is, or parable means there is a truth you are teaching, then you now go to another story entirely to borrow what you can call something similar. And that is what you can call a parable. Should I come again for the last time? I said, parable, it means there is a truth you are teaching. That is, this is Jesus we are talking about. So there's a truth Jesus is teaching. Then Jesus will go to another story entirely to borrow what you can call something similar. Is that clear? And that is what we call a parable. Are we good to proceed? Okay. Next step. There are different places where the word parable is used. Again, Matthew says 
This is a fulfillment of what the prophet had said. Don't forget Matthew 13, 34, 35 said it was a fulfillment. Jesus speaking in parable was a fulfillment of what the prophet had what? Had said. And that prophecy was in Psalm 78 verse 2. Psalm 78 verse 2. Psalm 78 verse 2. Mm-hmm. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. I will utter dark sayings of old. This was a prophecy about Jesus. You see why the Bible says the Psalms, the prophets, they testify about Jesus. So when you read this, he's not, if you start personalizing it, you are reading it out of context. You are not the one going to be speaking in parables. He was, it was a prophecy about Jesus. So Matthew, so go back to Matthew again. Matthew 13, 34, 35. Let it make sense in your head. Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Mm-hmm. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. Mm-hmm. And without a parable spake he not unto them. Mm-hmm. That, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. It might be fulfilled... Which was spoken by the prophet saying. I will open my mouth. I would open my mouth what? In parables. In parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Fantastic. So Matthew is just writing a fulfillment of prophecy. That is why Jesus said that prophets they testified of him. So whatever Psalms was saying. He was talking about what Jesus was going to do. That is how the scriptures are. So when you go and start saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not watch, and you are personalizing it, you are quoting it out of context. Because the testimony was Jesus, not you. <laughs> when we do using the Old Testament, the New Testament to interpret the Old Testament, I promise you, you will cry. It will make more sense to you why we have thrown the Bible away. Because everything Jesus taught, he taught from the Old Testament. And everything that happened, Jesus, it was prophesied. So we'll go through some, you'll be shocked. Deuteronomy, everywhere. In fact, Jesus never taught outside the Old Testament. Assembly or can be it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> the day I did that studies, I'm like, eh? What's going on here? So how were we taught to read the Bible that way? Now, next point. So, parables, some call it dark speeches. Parables, some call it dark speeches. In the Hebrew, it's called chida. We can pronounce it chida. Chida or chida in the Hebrew means a question. A question. Or that which will require an explanation. Chida or chida is a question. Or that which will require an explanation. Next point. So every time you see a parable, you need to explain it. Any time you see a parable, you need to explain it. Next point, which means a parable post questions. 
which means the parable post questions. Or you can say they post rhetorical questions, which means the parable post questions. Or you can say they post rhetorical questions. Are we good? Should I move on? Next point. Except in two places, the word parable was mainly used in the four Gospels. And even in the four Gospels, is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Except in two places, the word parable is used primarily in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Are you ready? Next point. Except in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 9. Except in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 9. Where the building of the temple is called a parable. Except in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 9. Where the building of the temple is called a parable. Except in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 9. Where the building of the temple is called a parable. So you put into bracket. That is. That which is a figure. Of the time. Then present. That which is a figure of the time then present. Except in Hebrew chapter 9 verse 9. Where the building of the temple. Is called a parable. Into bracket. That is. Which was a figure of the time then present. What it means is that when we, we are going to read that verse, you understand that in that time, that temple was a figure of the proper temple. Don't forget what a parable is. A parable is something that is beside. You see something to illustrate. A parable is an illustration of an original so the parable is not the main story but crossing over to just use something as an illustration let's go to hebrews chapter 9 verse 9 beautiful scripture hebrews chapter 9 verse 9 can we all turn there hebrews 9 9 which was a figure ah God. which was a figure for the time then present which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. In which were offered both then gifts and sacrifices. That could not make him that did the service perfect. That could not make him that did the service what? Perfect. Read it again so it will sink in you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 9. Mm-hmm. Which was a figure for the time then. So the word figure there is the word parable. The word figure there. Is parable. So which was a figure for the time then present. Do you understand why I say you, the word the time then present. So the time then present. At that time. The shadow. The symbolism. Of what was to come. Where they were offering their sacrifices. Was the temple that was built. So a temple was built in the olden days. Where they went to offer sacrifices. But it was just a figure of what Jesus was coming to do. You understand better. Are you following me? 
Next point. That is the temple was never God's house. The temple then was never God's house. Can you read the nine line again? Beautiful scripture. That which was a figure. Which was a figure for the time. Because it was a figure or a parable. In which were offered both. They were offering gifts and sacrifices. But it could not make those people doing the thing perfect or have a clear conscience. Why? It is a figure. It is not reality. So it could not make them perfect. There is only one person who can make you perfect and you are perfect forever. And that is Christ. But the temple there was used as a figure. <laughs> is that clear? We are coming. You get it better, 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 better. So I said, the temple was never God's house. It was a figure of speech. The temple was never God's house. It was a figure of speech. So all the temples in the Old Testament were never God's house. It was just a parable. An illustration. Because God said he does not dwell in temples that are built with the hands of men. So if he dwells there, he's contradicted his word. But why did he make them do it? He made them do it as a symbolism. And then they had a temple and they offered sacrifices there. And when sacrifices are offered, the people are cleansed. You will come back to understand why your body is the temple of God. Not a building. Because the sacrifice of Jesus was not done anywhere but in your heart. Because your heart is the sinful place. So where he took his blood was in your heart. They brought the sacrifices into the temple. Symbolic. I'm teaching you senior class things. Don't mind me. Erase it from your mind. It's not part of it. Let's take it slow. We'll get there one day. I promise you one day I'm going to teach you all these things. That the Bible says, and he entered into heaven itself. Come on. No, no, no. Don't forget, heaven is not necessarily a place. We said no world has a universal meaning. Heaven is spiritual. Erase it from your mind. Don't go and say it anywhere. Because you have not been properly taught about it. I'm coming again. I said, the temple was never God's house. It was a figure of speech. Next point. It was built alongside God's house. Oh. The temple was built alongside. Don't forget, parable is what? Alongside. The temples were built alongside God's house. The temple was built alongside God's house. Because God's house was in words. God's house was in a promise. God's house was in the spirit. <laughs> Anything God will do, he does alongside. Abraham having a child out of a promise that Sarah, your wife, will have a child. It's not about Abraham and Sarah. Out of your seed, your seed, shall the nations of the world be blessed. was not talking about Abraham's son Isaac. It was talking about Jesus. But God always builds something alongside. So you are seeing Isaac. And seeing Isaac as a promise, but it's not about Isaac. He's alongside. He's a parable. 
So Isaac is placed on the fire to be killed. He's alongside. He is not. <laughs> God painted pictures of what he was going to do. So the temple, we are going back again to that word. I said, it was built, hear me, the temple was never God's house. It was a figure of speech. It was built alongside God's house. God's house was in words. Promises God has made. God's house was in words. A time is coming apart, my spirit. Was the words. And it was talking about the temple, which is you. Are you hearing me? So God's house was in words. God's house was in a promise. God's house was in the spirit. But a house was now built to illustrate God's house. God's house was in words. It was in a promise. It was in spirit. But a physical house was built... To illustrate God's house. So this is a church building. It is an illustration of your body. So the structure doesn't make God's house. You make God's house. So yes, Abraham built a temple. But it was just an illustration. Is somebody here? Am I moving too fast? Oh, look, it's in my next point. So Moses' temple, Solomon's temple, were all illustrations. <laughs> Moses' temple, Solomon's temple, were all illustrations. Are we good? Is it making sense? <laughs> Let's take another one. I said two places apart from the four Gospels, you have the word parable. The next place is again in Hebrews, chapter 11. Let's do 17 to 19. Master. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. Everybody, turn your Bible there so you understand. It's very crazy. By faith. He says, by faith, Abraham. When he was tried. mm -hmm. Offered. Isaac. He offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And he that has received the promises, which is Abraham, offered up his only begotten son. Continue. Of whom it was said. Of whom it was said. That in Isaac shall thy That in Isaac shall thy seed. So God had made promise to Abraham that Isaac shall your seed in you. But continue. Accounting that God was able to raise him up. Accounting that God was able to raise up even from the dead. From whence also he received him. From whence also he received him what? In a, In a figure. So Abraham and his Isaac was a parable. The word figure there is parabole. It means alongside. They were illustration. That is, you can write it this way. What he went to Mansina to do was to do an illustration. So when they are using it to collect your money, bring your Isaac. It was an illustration. Oh, it gets better. Abraham went to Mansina to do an illustration. Watch this. 
It was an illustration of another event entirely. Abraham went to Mount Sinai to do an illustration. And it was an illustration of another event. Don't forget what parable means. Crossing over. So it is not Isaac God wants as a sacrifice. But he crosses over. Parable is crossing over to take a story to use as an illustration. Is somebody here? So what Abraham and Isaac went to Mount Sinai to do was never about them. But God giving an illustration of what his son that is why Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb that will be used for that sacrifice. This is a rehearsal. This is play acting. But the real thing, God himself will provide. Is somebody following me? That is why Abraham said, the Lord himself will make a provision. Next point. So every parable points to something else. Every parable points to something else. Every parable points to something else. We are getting there. Hmm. So if parables are pointing to something else and we read parables and put meanings into it, we are in trouble. Because they are just illustrations. Oh, before I take the parables, well, I'll take a break. But before I take the break, let's deal with this dangers of misinterpreting parables. So when we come from the break, I will take the parables one after the other. <laughs> dangers of misinterpreting parables. One, are you ready? Dangers of misinterpreting parables. One, to give a parable a literal meaning. It is dangerous to give a parable a literal meaning. Always understand it is a parable, so you don't give it a literal meaning. Always understand it is a parable, so I don't have to give it what? A literal meaning. Because it is an illustration. Add it. Because it is an illustration. What it means is that if I take bottles of empty bottles and I start pouring water and I said, this bottle represents human bodies and the water in represents the spirit. And then you go and say, ah, pastor said, bottles are human beings in the realm of the spirit. Do you understand? So always understand that you don't give parables literal meaning because they are illustrations. Number two, it is a comparison. Parables are comparison. I say, for instance, you are just comparing two things. It is a comparison. So making it literal will never bring out the truth. Parables are comparison. So making it literal will never bring out the truth. Did you get that? Number three, it is a fiction. Parables are fiction. 
Fictions doesn't mean a lie, but a story that doesn't have facts that had happened. It is a fiction. Fiction doesn't mean a lie, but a story that doesn't have facts that had happened. Are we good? Number four. Never give a parable a subjective meaning. Never give a parable a subjective meaning. Where you sit down at one corner and say, Well, I believe this means this. <laughs> One later you see that there have been a lot of subjective meanings into scripture. <laughs> Are we good? Next point. Don't forget a parable must have a teaching before it and after it. Don't forget a parable must always have a teaching before it or after it. Meaning that before Jesus will give a parable, there is always he's teaching something or he says the parable to teach something. Don't forget a parable must have a teaching before it or after it. Remember a parable means alongside. So parables don't stand on their own. They come alongside. That is before or after a teaching. It's like me preaching and giving an illustration. The illustration can never be my message. I should have a message and then I use an illustration. Is that clear? Yeah. Last point for the break. So the question you should ask is, what was the story before it? What was the teaching before or after it? So the question you should always ask when you read a parable is what was the story before the parable or what was the teaching after the parable? Do you understand? So anytime I read a parable, I should be finding out what was Jesus teaching before he gave the parable? Or what story was he saying before he gave the parable? Or what story was he saying or what teaching was he teaching after he gave the parable? We clear? Okay, so <laughs> we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll take at least four. I don't think I can even finish four. Four parables, but very interesting ones. The popular ones. Parable of the talent. The move from Jericho to Jerusalem. Parable of the ten virgins. So we'll take them so you understand. So don't forget the definitions you have given. So that when we go into handling the cases, you would understand. And you appreciate scriptures better. Knowledge brings understanding.